This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Real estate agents, I trust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the church boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. What's that? They're back? They're here, they're recording an episode, they're actually doing what they're paid to do. Wait, they're doing what they would like to be paid to do? (laughs) Um, Well, no, I I would just like to lead this discussion by noting that usually I'm the one that messes things up, but the last two or three times, our failure to produce episodes have been completely and 100% predicated upon Chris's ineptness as a human being. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) <laughs> and his inability to apparently commit. Also true. So we are we are here. We're not going skiing. And uh, so I always edit myself for you now, Billy, because you always get so nervous about this. And Because, you know, I've been on Right Wing Watch. I don't need to be on Right Wing Watch again, okay? You hear that, people, for the American way? I do not need to be on Right Wing I was on Right Wing Watch because of something James Dobson said. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> And, and we've talked about this, but so I'd just like to reiterate okay, that I, t- it wasn't even what they said it was. What was it? Tell me what it was. I don't. Do I remember this? So I don't remember this conversation. We He came to The Blaze when I was still at The Blaze, and, he, and James Dobson talked about the family. And, of course, he talks about gay marriage sometimes, but right. we weren't even talking about that. He was talking about the breakdown of the family, which, for anybody paying attention, for conservatives, that's much broader than just gay marriage. Right. And he was not speaking specifically about that, but they made the headline all about how James Dobson and, and Billy Hollow were talking about gay marriage and the break and it was very strange Stupid. and I was annoyed because it wasn't accurate. Had it been accurate, that would have been fine, but it wasn't at all. So right. <laughs> that was, I think that was the only time. And I think I'm trying to think of Media Matters. One time on Media Matters, but I actually like being on Media Matters. So if you're listening, Media Matters, find something to post about us, please. <laughs> but it's uh, it's they're they're loonies. So so um speaking of <laughs> Now, you have an announcement forthcoming. Is it forthcoming? Yes. Is it is the timing okay now, or does the? I shouldn't say you. We. Yeah. No. We can an, talk about it. Have, I, well, I was actually going to post about it before we recorded, but I got distracted okay. by string cheese. I was starving, and so I went and got string cheese, and you then hadn't, you hadn't forgot. Eaten, you hadn't eaten, to post, for, post hadn't eaten for minutes. <laughs> it had been a good hour and twenty so, minutes or Billy, so. Billy, let's let's so you can make this public now. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Here we go. I and well, I, so I left the blaze. When did I leave the blaze? When was that? Like August. I don't even remember. Was it August? No, it was June. No, June, June, June or July. June, June or July. June, June, June. June. I, I left the blaze in June, and I went to Deseret News. And Deseret News is a wonderful, wonderful outlet. I've I've loved working there. Um, you know, and when you say you're going to a new 
outlet. You don't you don't describe the elements and I guess the terms of that agreement with that outlet. But when I went to Desiree, it was a contract position. Right. And it was for a set amount of time. And that set amount of time was just through the end of the year, which we're almost through the end of the year, a little while longer here. And in the process, another opportunity came up um, and one that I didn't want to pass up with faithwire.com. And so faithwire.com, for those who don't know, it's a new outlet that is owned by the Christian Broadcasting Network, but really targeting, um, you know, targeting people with interesting faith news and culture news. And I think obviously that's very much in line with what I did at The Blaze and what I'm passionate about. So I'll be joining them full time mon- starting Monday. Yeehaw. So uh, yeah, what will so. you what will you be doing there? Um, I, you know, writing, writing, writing very similar stories to what I did at the blaze, but I think also podcasting will, maybe our church boys podcast will have some stories appearing over there. Oh, that'd be nice. And, um, and, and really just looking for interesting ways to tell stories about faith and courage and positive, positive elements associated with what we believe. So I think it'll be great. Oh, cool. All right. So, and, uh, any other information you can give us about? No, it's not. You're not going to be on. You're not. You're not suddenly uh, you're working with Pat Robertson over there. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I mean, but I, I've interviewed him before. I would, uh, you know, Pat Robertson is such an interesting guy. Right, he really is. But the nice thing no, about look, interviewing I, Pat Robertson is you will get clicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's something freeing about being able to just say whatever you think. There are days yeah. that I wake up and I'm like, you know, I just want to say whatever I think today, but then I realize I need to be employed. Okay, so at the risk of making you at the risk of making you unemployed, Billy, <clears throat> oh, you no. have been talking, and uh, first of all, I noticed that you have made you made an announcement on Facebook this week. What was your announcement oh, yeah. on Facebook this week? It well, if I had <laughs> to summarize is, it in two words, is, it would be this it is would the be un- bye, Felicia. <laughs> this is this is the unhinged Billy episode i hope i was gonna see how unhinged this becomes because i'm gonna focus i'm gonna be more like your shrink this episode it's really gonna be i'm gonna lose it today it's gonna gonna really be more me sitting back poking the bear so i don't even we even talk about me i told you i left facebook i told you i left facebook and you were like that's great yeah but we didn't talk about it um i have to say this because i actually look i am somebody who is a conservative and a christian (laughs) who lives just outside New York City. So over a 12, 13-year period, you learn how to survive. It's sort of like being inoculated, right? Right. There's a disease, and you're trying to avoid it, and so you get inoculated to avoid it. In this case, there is a belief system that I don't agree with, but all the people are infected by it here. So what I do to survive (laughs) is I... I am friends with people and I've learned to build really good friendships that are genuine with people who I disagree with. And most of my friends here are people who I I disagree with. There aren't as many people who I can find common ground on, which is fine. But you you build those relationships and you learn to really love people for who they are. And then and then this election comes. And to me, it just became draining to log into Facebook every single day. And to see nothing but insane, and Chris is laughing, I can see him in the camera, insane messages from everybody. And at first I didn't mind it, but you know, it gets to a point where you're looking at it all day long anyway for what you're doing and for work. I was like, I'm done. I'm piecing out. I posted an image that said, this is on my personal page, which is also public. Right. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I'm out. I'll see you after the election. (laughs) And I have not gone back. Now, I go into Facebook to post on my public page, but I don't go into my – I have not looked 
at anybody's messages at all in days now, and I feel great. You are such a baby. I, I you know what, you I am such, a baby. You are such here's a baby. the thing. You know what it is? No, I can't shut my mouth. That's you the problem. That's... I can't shut my mouth. So it, rather than dis, start to argue with people who I really care about and I want to respect and not lose respect for, right. I'd rather not see the idiotic things that everybody's saying on both sides. Yeah. So. <laughs> here's, how I, here's how I know. <laughs> Go ahead. Here's how Go I ahead. know you've, you've reached peak Billy pissed off at this. <clears throat> Suddenly, you'll be a post on Twitter or Facebook. Jesus is the answer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Take, take the wheel. That's me saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Because the next tweet that comes out is going to cost me my job. Jesus, take the wheel. And honestly, <laughs> Chris, Chris is in full-fledged. Oh, he, lost, he lost the lung. I've watched, I, I've watched some of your interactions on Facebook. It's been priceless. I have no more patience. That's how I would word it. I'm, I'm actually, and it's not like I'm so passionate about a can. It has nothing to do with caring about the yeah. candidates. It has to do with how insane. And it's look, the country has been insane for a while, and that's just poured into politics now. But now politics are insane, and the people, their views, yeah. the things they're saying, I, I cannot take it. So yeah. I'm removing myself from it now. I engage on Twitter yeah. because I don't know a lot of people on Twitter, so I don't really care. They can right. say the, whatever they want. But sure. when I know somebody, and I. You know, I'm even avoiding talking to family about it because I just can't do it. Yeah. So let me ask you this: Why do you let Why do you let the people on Facebook get to you? So that's the thing is, I there are days that I'll engage and it'll just go on and on and it'll be virtual shouting matches, but not really shouting matches. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. the, then there are other days where I just I don't do anything and I I don't understand how are you letting this get to you? How is this? Because you know what. I just, I, I just don't care. I, I mean, I care. Yeah, I know you don't care because I, you're I, I kind of what we would call a sociopath. Sociopath. <laughs> sociopath. Oh no, I was going to go more with a, a dick, and you can bleep that out. But <laughs> I'm not anyway, um, the bottom line is, I I care a lot about the people that I care about, and I, I I'm worried about the country, and I'm worried about all these things, and and so it just bothers me that when I see people who I really love and care about saying things that yeah. I just think are so nasty about other people. You know, like the way that people are just dismissing entire groups of voters and, and calling them bigots. And I, it's just, it's so negative to me that I don't want to be a part of it and that I don't want to have an impact. But that's my point. Why do you let it bother you? That's because it just, does. I, just, I can't control I just, it. It just does. But I mean, I just like, I'll see something that somebody say some, something totally stupid. And of course, if artists say you're what? 34 now, 33, 34, 33. So I've got you by seven or eight years. I guess that I would say seven, eight years ago, I'd have been like, you're like, I feel like I have to respond to these things and they'd really get to me. I've, as, as I've gotten older and had kids and my focus has shifted to my kids and I've figured out that some stuff's just kind of a waste of time, including some people, excuse me, I've kind of come to the point that I just, I, I can't, the, and our, our, our audio is peaking here, so I got to fix something here while, while I talk. Anyway, that's God telling you to. <laughs> You know, so, ran it in. But I don't understand. I, I just, I don't let it get to me. I don't, I, it's not that I don't care because I do care about the issues. It's not I don't care about these people because I do care about these people. At the same time, I just don't let it get to me. I just, it's it's too, life's too short to let, let people get to me. So I'm not going to get off Facebook. I'm just not going to talk about it. If somebody wants to poke me, fine. Go ahead and try to poke me. Try to poke the bear. And there are some days I'll respond and some days I won't. But there are people that I'm disappointed in. But here's what, here's, here's what you're going, here's what you're going to learn. As you get older and more cynical like I am. What you're going to learn is to expect the worst from people. And then when they give you something better than the worst, 
then you're just going to be happy. So if you just live a life where you expect everybody to disappoint you, <laughs> then you can stay well, on Facebook. I'm going to counter and this no a problem. little bit. I'm going to counter this a little bit. Yep. You also have a little bit of a buffer. You have to consider that where everywhere I go, everywhere everyone I talk to, yeah. from the minute I wake up until the minute I go to sleep, is saying stuff that annoys me a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so listen, it's look, nonstop. But I look, so if I can listen, cut out look, one area, I in, I if I can in, cut in, out one I, area, I why am I not going to cut it out? I lived in Washington. I'm annoyed all day long. Yes, I lived in Washington D.C. for 12 years. I get it. But I just, I just, I, I, but, but it's a personality thing to me too. It's like, I just, I've gotten to the point where I just don't let it get to me anymore. Well, like, I'm outraged by 90% of what I hear. You're never well, outraged. We're polar well, opposites. I, but in that it's way. Not, it's, but, Nothing bothers you. Like, honestly, it, it is more about me not wanting to judge people. <laughs> oh, no. It really is. Judging, I'm, I'm judging. I'm, I'm going to judge them all. And I just don't want to. I, I just don't want to. I'm it. fine with judging. You see, that's the one reason to stay on Facebook is so that I can be more judgmental. But I already look, mind. I already know. I already know what I'm dealing with. I know That's, the people I I know one conservative. I have one friend where I live that who's a conservative. <laughs> I just want to point this out to you. One. See, but and, life is easier if you live with a, a spirit of judgmentalism and if you stereotype people. Find the <laughs> easiest way to live. And Facebook My co host has become Donald Trump. Facebook allows you to put these people into filters. I mean, come on. I don't this even so want to look at it. <laughs> I will tell you this. Well, no, I won't tell you. Forget it. I, I will say I am seeing people become more actively engaged and more annoyed based on Facebook. I'm seeing it with other people. And so for me, I just I get enough of the negativity all day long. Yeah, I don't. I get it. I, with no, I family. Get it. With I, I just it. can't do it. Your family. It. Look, with you, you find a lot of people who agree with you. Yeah, that's I don't true. even have that. I don't that's even true. have that in family. So. It's true. I need to escape it. And yeah, that's what it's about. It's about escaping it. And, and I, I do think when I'm old and haggard like you, I might feel a little different. And I'm I get like, it. I get it too. And I've just kind of decided that you know what, Facebook now is the time for every once in a while a political discussion. But you know what, I'll post pictures of my kids because people want to see pictures of my kids. You know, I have listen. I have liberal family members now. They don't live, you know, within you know an hour of me. Well, I don't think they live within an hour of me. But for the most part, my close family is the family that lives near me is, is con very conservative. <clears throat> my liberal family, I've had debates and discussions with <clears throat> on Facebook. <clears throat> Excuse me. Including, and let me use this as a transition, including my, my cousin who was in L.A. and then was in D.C. and was back in L.A. And now he's up in the Portland area, Portland, Oregon area, who worked for our friend uh, over at Sojourners. Anyway. It's Jim Wallace. I'm here to talk about the death penalty. <laughs> and I so, just want you to know I don't support anything that has to do with death. Sorry, that was a message from Jim Wallace. <clears throat> anyway, so my liberal friend, my liberal cousin, who's a good, he's got a good heart. He's 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 nuts on some of the some of the issues, but he and I have had some had some very good discussions on Facebook that have been public ones. Some some disagreements and debates, but lately, um, him asking me my thoughts on Trump and other things, and especially with this new Trump stuff that came out over the weekend. <laughs> So, <sighs> so here's what's crazy. So Trump is starting to win people over people who are either not going to vote or kind of have conservative leanings, but they're kind of traditionally Democrats or whatever else. In fact, people that you know, and that I know both were kind of going, you know what? I could vote for Trump watching him in the debates and things. And then this stuff comes out about the, the sexual, well, uh, uh, essentially sexual assault. Charges. His hands were like an octopus. <laughs> 
That's my favorite line from the whole thing. So now, so now we're dealing with this, and so suddenly he just, you know, he can't get out of his own way. I mean, the, yeah. we have two candidates running, each, running against each other who can't get out of each other's way. They well, can't, it's insane, it's, but it's, one of them knows how to do it better. I mean, Hillary knows how to avoid... It's unbelievable. A lot. I mean, look, Hillary can get away with almost anything because yes. she knows how to manage yeah. herself. Trump right. has no self-control. Well, and she has she has the media on her side as well, and we can get to that in a little bit. But what I want to... Oh, yes, what, we can. What, what's your reaction to... Or you, let's take a break. We'll come back and talk about... I want to talk about reaction to Donald Trump and the sexual... Uh, accusations, and then also the media role in Trump and Hillary and, and those sorts of All things you've been outraged by that I want to get your take on. I can sit back again as the shrink and poke the bear and see what you say. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Back to the church boys. So, Billy has steam shooting out his ears thinking about Donald Trump and about the media. Let me first say, Billy, um, I like my steaks medium rare. Just putting that out there. Now, can you even hear me? He's not even reacting. He's not even giving me I'm the just satisfaction. Ignoring of, you. He's not even giving the satisfaction of a uh, satisfaction of a reaction. I'm done with you. Yeah, you owe me about a you owe, you're going to owe me a nice delicious steak dinner or a calzone from John's Pizza, either one. Oh, um, calzone. I could go for the calzone uh, right now. I would There's a part well, Yeah, of, I mean Trump's not a, winning this election a, at this point. There's a part of me this. that's willing to go get on a plane right now, fly to New York, you drive <laughs> down to the city and we'll go to John's Pizza and we'll have a calzone. We'll have two calzones. Well, we'll we might as well cal- do it early. We'll two calzones. He's, In fact, he's not we'll, have, we'll have four calzones. I'll buy two of them, and you buy two of them, and we'll call it good. So anyway, about the Donald Trump thing, what did you? What was your initial reaction when you heard the the allegations? When you heard the Access Hollywood tape with Billy Bush? Um, well, and before I, I tell you, we have another Billy just Bush. about ten I'm, minutes ago. I'm Billy Bush. I'm Billy Bush. As we're talking about this right now, about 10 minutes ago, the day we're recording this, another uh, person has come forward claiming she was sexually assaulted by Trump. Um, So, you know, I I, I guess, well, when I first heard the the tape, I was appalled, obviously not. I wasn't shocked. I was sort of like, oh, my gosh, this is this is foul. This is awful. But nothing surprises me with Trump, to be honest. I mean, it's not it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this upstanding character said this awful thing. Right. Um, You know, I I think it was shocking. It was startling. I've been intrigued by the response. The media attention on it has been very interesting. I do think, obviously, that you need to have media attention on it's appropriate to be covering it, obviously. So, yeah, I don't know. What did you think? What was your first uh, thought? Here's what I thought. 
No, wait, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, they're what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bull? We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's how I felt. He is, this is who we thought he was. We knew this about. That's why I've had these discussions with you and, and folks like my people like my folks. You and I have discussed. Listen, I, I can't vote for the guy because he's a dirtbag for one. Right. That doesn't mean Hillary not doesn't make Hillary not a dirtbag. But I can't support Donald Trump and I've never been able to support Donald Trump. And so my mom comes over after the after the tapes come out and the interview and they're do, it's during the what was it, during the interview on what day was what, what day was the interview? Not the interview, the debate on Sunday. You still there? You froze. Oh, I'm here. There, he's there. I'm here. And I just said, my mom said, you know, it's a really, she said, I'm starting to join. I'm starting to think I'm going to join, you now on the not voting for Trump thing. And listen, I'm not a never Trumper. I'm not one of the, the pushing the bandwagon of never, never Trump, but I am a, listen, I'm not going to vote for him right now unless I, <clears throat> I'm willing to be convinced, I guess still, but I can't vote for that. And I said, why is it taking you having now video audio evidence of him being a sexual predator or a sexual abuser? But we knew that about him before. Now you just have audio confirmation. Is that what it took? Was just simply the co audio confirmation, hearing it from his own mouth? I, I, I we knew look, this is who he was. It is. All of this is strange to me. Do you believe that NBC sat on the tape? I do. I do. I totally believe. So, this is, I totally believe that there's there is a media timing to this. Absolutely. But let's get into that. Look, a little, I'm, I'm going to map get into this out little, really let's quick. Get, let's get into that a little, a little bit as far as like the media timing. What did you think of the essence of? of the Access Hollywood tape. Should that or should that not disqualify? Even if it came out back last August, should that or should, should that not disqualify? Should it, should it disqualify? I think in a normal election, maybe, but I think everything that these two candidates have done disqualifies them, so it leaves us with no candidates. I mean, that, like if we're being fair and honest across the board, what John Piper said is true. They should both drop out then. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think you they know. should. I, but I right. can't. But, but, but I think they're they not should, going to. I think they should both drop out because I can't, and, and I can't vote for all. I can't vote for either of the other of them in good conscience. So I but what, not, you don't but you don't find listen, forget Hillary. Forget Hillary. Let's not do the moral equivalence with well, Hillary did this or Bill Clinton did this. Simply look at the Donald Trump thing. Should that access Hollywood tape disqualify him in your mind? Not 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 legally disqualify him, but disqualify him from your vote and the vote of conservatives. Cult, cultural social conservatives. Should it or should I it not? A, I think it's I think it's complicated to answer. I would say I would say no, not in itself. No, it should not disqualify him in itself. It should horrify people. It should make them second guess whether or not they would vote for him. But disqualify him? Why should no? It, can I ask? And listen, I'm not I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you with what you say. Can you explain to me why it shouldn't? Well, I think what we're looking at is a tape of somebody being vile, disgusting, bragging about something horrible that he says uh, he, that he says he did. That he says he did. Right. That he says he did. Now, he now says he didn't do it. So, you know, if you're to believe Donald Trump, he never really is consistent. But, you know, to me, this is 11 years ago. There, There is a chance, and I don't, I do not personally believe this, but I don't know because I can't judge somebody's heart, that he has changed, that he wouldn't do this again even if he did do it. Yeah. Look, again, 
I, I'm the number one person who always says, don't compare some apples to oranges. Don't go to somebody else. And to, but again, we would have no candidates in this race because every single thing they've both done is vile and awful and, and yeah, they're yeah, yeah. both horrific. So I, I am not, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to put this out there. I'm not going to judge anybody's vote this time in the past. I have on this show. If you vote for Hillary, if you vote for Trump, if you don't vote, I'm not going to judge it because it's such a mess that I think really at the end of the day, you have to you have to vote the way you feel strongest. Now, I have more sympathy for people who vote for Hillary than for people who don't vote at this point. So um, what if what if he what if it turns out that what he says he did on the tape, he actually did do. He comes out, and admits that he actually. OK, what I said on the tape about what I did do, I did do those things. What should that disqualify him? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think in, I, I guess I mean, yeah, I, w- I would assume I don't know when I listened to the tape. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to listen to it and think this is somebody's actual actions or this is just some jerk who's bragging in a bizarre and disgusting way because that's the personality that he has. You know, it, it's hard to tell um, based on that. But but look, the, this entire thing. I think should really cause us to have bigger questions about who we are as a country, what culture we have. I mean, these are things you and I, you and I have talked about. Yeah. I, I don't like the word disqualify because I don't necessarily know. And again, I don't, know. I don't mean disqualify him from being able to hold office, disqualify him from your vote. Should that, should that keep him from getting your vote? No, well, no. Okay. So now that I have a little clarity on what you're asking, no, look, I think at the end of the day, the reality is you have two people. One of them is going to be president and you, you have the devil and the de- and a demon. Okay. Here. And I don't know. You can pick which one you think you is the devil and which one you think right. is the demon. You have to vote for one no, of them. You don't. One of them is going to be president. Well, I think it's silly not to because one of them is going to be, one of them is going to be president. That doesn't mean you have to vote for them. I if don't you find to vote. This is what I think is crazy about evangelicals. If you find them equally bad, but on different things, she's bad on these. Wait, wait, if I find her, I find her to be a basket of deplorables on these things, and I find him to be a basket of deplorables on these things, and it turns out that they're equally deplorable, even though it's in different subjects. Why should I vote for one over the other? Here's what I'll say: I do not believe a vote has to be looked at as an extension of your faith in some way. I do not believe that it has to be. A vote, is, think... a vote is an action for which you are accountable. I, I don't, I don't. Okay, but. Your the way you're judging accountability is based on you and yourself. The way I'm judging accountability sure. is based on what you believe is going to happen to the country as a result of making a decision or not making a decision to vote. Mm-hmm. I think that you can very easily, and I think both are understandable. So I'm not going to yeah. dismiss your concern. Sure, sure. But I but I think they're I think it's a little more silly because at the end of the day, when you know you have a chance to vote for a candidate who you have a better chance of getting a better Supreme Court, of getting protections for Christians and others in this country, of getting those things, and you choose not to opt for that when you have right. two very bad, equally deplorable options, I don't agree with that decision. That's yeah. that's just my view. Right. So you're, what we're talking about is the difference of somebody who really believes that their conscience matters more than their country in some people's eyes and some critics' eyes, and others who think the country matters more than their conscience. And I don't know what the right answer is, so I'm not going to judge people. But I do think that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. It's conscience over country. And and I, and I think it's important to stand by your conscience, but I also think it's very important to look out for what, what you think is going to happen in your country. Am I saying I think one or the other is going to be a better president? No, I'm not, because I don't. I don't know. Right. He could be a much bigger disaster than she ever was. Right. But but exactly. I do think that the people on your side are not looking at the country piece of it as much as you should be. And when you say you're willing to be convinced, I don't know what else needs to convince you other than the fact that we have 20 cases pending right now where people's very rights, their very First yeah. Amendment rights are going to be eroded 
if a Supreme Court shifts in the way that we know it will, if right. there's a, if there are liberal justices put right. on it. So yeah. that I don't know what would convince you. Right. That's that's I guess that's the closest, my point. The closest no thing to convince me is the Supreme Court thing. And that's the closest that anybody has gotten. And I'm what just, else do you need, I'm though? Not, I'm with Eric Metaxas on that. You know, yeah. if now I'm not saying that I would vote that I would vote tomorrow for Trump. But what I'm saying is the argument is so convincing on that front right. that that's I think a best, lot of people I, I haven't heard argument. anything that. I haven't heard anything that pushes back against that. Wham, wham, wham. My feelings, my vote, my conscience does not trump that to me. Yeah. Well, okay. You just... I don't think God is going to say to you... And look, for all the Christians who are arguing, God's going to punish me because I voted, you know, for Trump or for Hillary. Well, you know, couldn't God also say you had a chance to... You know, you choose your leaders. You right. had a chance to elect somebody yeah. who you had a better shot under, and you knew you had a better shot, and you chose not to. Sure. Now, I, let me, I see both arguments. Okay, let me ask you this. How far how far down the line of criminality or potential criminality does he have to go before he before the Supreme Court argument becomes irrelevant? That's a good question. Becomes a non-factor. That's, to me, I've, we've already passed that point. Because everything else— For both about, of them. For, for, yeah, so again— for every, every, But on him— Everything about him, there's so many things about him has already the, the, have gone past the Supreme Court thing for me, right? This is the latest thing. What if, what if we find out that he was a rapist, but statute of limitations has run out? What if, I'm just, I don't think that he is a rapist, by the way. Anybody who's calling him a rapist or accusing him of rape, well, that I, I, don't, definitely... I don't buy it. But, but he could save the Supreme Court, protect the Supreme Court from Hillary. Where does well, that's your, a different story. No, no, I, I'm with no, you no, on no. that. It's, no, it's exactly... It's the conscience versus the country issue. But the, it's but, not. But it's the conscience versus the country. Eventually, it's different because you guys were arguing the same thing when there were no allegations. I'm just saying that it's conscience over country by a certain... Uh, eventually, it's conscience over country. If you find out... if Right now, we know that he is a serial philanderer, right? And we had issues with, with, with Bill Clinton, and we thought he should have been run off out of office... For being a, a serial philanderer, not for not for lying under oath. This is before even lying at, for, under oath. We thought he should be driven out of office for being a ser serial philanderer. Period. That he was unworthy and unfit to be president. Th that was the case that the social conservatives were making. Now we have somebody who's very similar to Cl to Bill Clinton in that regard, and we're going to suddenly start saying it's okay to be a serial philanderer. Now, if that's the position you want to take, that's... No, no I don't no. think that's if, the if case. That, I don't think that's a fair If comparison. that has changed, if that viewpoint has changed, that's fine. But the fact is, eventually, conscience trumps country. Eventually. For me, conscience has trumped, quote, country on the Supreme Court question because of... Uh, listen, this was the final straw. This was the final straw. No, no, no. no. But no, this no, is no. what annoys if, me about this. Hold on. No, let no, me no, say, no, no, this no, is no, you're, you annoy same, me on this because wait, 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 you had this viewpoint the before there was ever any allegation against him, and so did no, a lot no, of no, other people. Before we heard about, any of this, no, you felt care. this way. Conscience no, 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 was already trumping country. Yes, you're correct. In the philanderers, I'm talking about now. We have we had philanderer. That was that was a that was about enough for me. Plus other things. Plus his fascist impulses. That was a bigger issue for me. Okay. That was a bigger issue for me. However, the philanderer thing was also an issue. Now we've got sexual assault accusations. If they're true, and he has admitted to them, if they're true, then, then that's another level of, of conscience over, quote, conscience over country. What if there's a rape accusation? Does suddenly you, do you suddenly now join the conscience over country? Category. Well, yeah, I'd be more okay. than, yeah, if, look, so if that's, there's, so the fact is, so the fact is you're open proof. to, the, the fact is you're open to the conscience over country argument. 
but not from the start, which is where everybody started. I, th- but my, mine the, wasn't even. You all started there. You all started there. You were like, oh, he made, some, you know, he made some really. He had three wives and he made some really nasty I, comments on Howard Stern, so he can't be president. That was where, not. Whereas, look, look at me. That wasn't look, disqualifying to me. That wasn't let disqualifying me to me. That with everything else was disqualifying. Okay, and I agree that they're both. I have. I had said for the first part of this that I would not vote, and I still have not committed to voting 100. percent Okay, so you're just as bad as I am then. But but what I'm saying is, I think that there is there is there has been from the start, and I know you're going to deny this. The reality is, you say to yourself, either I'm going to vote for not Hillary Clinton, or I'm going to I'm going to take an, I'm going to take some act that guarantees she becomes president. Those are your two choices. You either vote not for Hillary Clinton, so you'd vote for Trump, or you say to yourself, either I'm not going to vote, which might guarantee she wins, or I'm going to vote for her. Those those are your options. So people have either said. They don't care if she's president or they're going to go for Trump. And that's the reality. If you don't care, you clearly would rather have her be president than him if you're taking the – and that's fine. I, I know a lot no, of people who are in that boat. No, it's not a matter of what, but, rather but one denying be the, that, one, I think one, is rather one of the, No, no, no. Okay, and I would agree if I were denying that I would rather have her over him, and but I actually did want her over him, then I would obviously vote for her. But the fact is I don't want either one equally. And because but, I, I – look, because I don't want either one equally – I don't feel like I need to vote for either one of them. I want him just as much as I want her. I don't want either one of them, period. Now, I was open to the Trump candidacy when he first announced and everybody thought he was just pretending, but he came down the elevator at Trump Tower or the escalator at Trump Tower and there's this coronation music playing and he goes up and he announces that he's running for president. I didn't believe he was going to run. I thought it was just a joke, a showmanship thing. And then as the campaign went along, I thought, you know what? I could see myself voting for him. And then he started to speak and put out his policy ideas. And I said, that's dangerous. And I started to hedge my bet, say, I can't vote for that. And this was a, we're talking a year and a half ago when he first announced. And then I started thinking to myself, I'm not sure I can support this. And then some of the other things that he said, I knew that I couldn't support. And so eventually it worked its way down. His support from me worked its way down. I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt early until I started hearing his policies and his positions. And then I realized I can't support this. And then you add on top of it the philandering that we knew about from the beginning, but I was willing to overlook. Now you add on top of it the philandering, and then you add on top of it the sexual assault admission from him. What am I supposed to do? Here's what I would say. I think Christians should probably start preparing for what life will be like with Hillary because she's going to win. And that's life. And the reality, and the reality is. It's not the end of the world if Hillary Clinton wins. So Correct. I do think, is, is it awful? Is it bad it, for Christians in some ways? I think, yes, it will be for religious freedom. I do believe that. Um, I do know Christians who are voting for her, and they feel like she will be better overall, and that's fine. I think we're all entitled to what we believe. I, I understand the people who are not voting. It is I, What annoys me, though, is that this is an old thing. This is not some new thing. There are very few. There are some people who all of a sudden have said, oh, now I'm not going to vote for him. But But— a lot of people have consistently been, and, and it's fine if you thought if you feel you've thought yours through. But there are people from the beginning who just wouldn't, yeah. and and I think that's not all of it was as well thought out. And if you're if people are comfortable with her as president, then they're comfortable with it, and that's fine. It's I think it's going matter, to be a reality. For, for me, it's, for me, it's not a matter of being comfortable with her as president. It's a matter of me being equally comfortable with her as I am with him. Well, I would say I I would say that Eric Metaxas's arguments are very and for those who haven't read them, I'd encourage you to go over to Wall Street Journal and read them. I think that there are some things that outweigh and and for me they're almost equal the two candidates. I do agree with you, but there are a couple of things yeah. that for me would would be important elements to at least consider and I find it hard to believe that you find those things equal. 
but but so here's but eventually and in the criticism of the conscience over country argument that you that as as you put it conscience over country eventually you would join that what if he turns out what if he announced today that you know what i'm actually a pro-choicer um i would st- i think there's still again it would still outweigh some of those other things would still outweigh i what would if, hate it it would be awful okay what if but, what if he didn't make that announcement what if he did come out and say you know what i i raped a person Eventually, well, then obviously that's different. But it's past the statute of limitations. Well, not even rape. What if he comes out and says, you know what? I did commit this sexual assault. It was 30 years ago. It's past the uh, statute of limitations. It's not, I can't be found guilty of it and criminally. I'm not criminally liable for it any longer. However, I did do those things. I've apologized to those people. I've made amends, but I've done those things. These things I've been accused of, I've done them. What if he comes out and says that? I think that would be different. I think that's would a crime, be and he's admitting to a crime. We we have somebody right now if who's saying he didn't commit limit, a crime. What if it's past statute of limitations, and it doesn't matter? Well, let me ask you a question. But Do you think but, he's guilty of all these things? I think that I think that he has made some unwanted advances on women. I can't Period. even say I think that. that there, I, I think that there are women who are, who are saying he made unwanted advances on me who were open to him making some advances, but he took it further than they were comfortable with. And they, and they be, these women should not be hung out to dry. Right. I mean, I think it's, it's sad that the way and people treat. And the fact treat... is, if you believed Juanita Broderick and Paula Jones, why do you not believe these women? Women. Yeah, and if I don't you, have. And if you a, I don't have. And if you didn't believe, I don't and if you didn't believe Juanita Broderick know. and you didn't believe Paula Jones, why do you believe this woman now? I mean, it's, there's a lot of inconsistency there. I'm like, when I say you, I'm talking generally, not Billy. But the fact no, is, no, I don't there disagree is, with you. But there is a point where you, there is a point where you, Billy Hallowell, will would join the conscience over country. Right. I Ruth. think you all joined it too soon. That's my point. But but yes, <laughs> I I I don't I don't oppose necessarily conscience over country if there's crimes involved, if there's, you know, but is, okay, I do, what which if, is what why non, a lot of people what oppose about non, Hillary. What but about I do think that, that a lot of you approached it way too soon, way too soon. Now, at this point, if people are approaching it, I understand. And I said that yeah. I understand. I felt like six months ago when you were all talking about it or three months ago, four months, ago, it felt a little premature. So what about that's all what? Is there something that he could come out that's not criminal and say, and you'd say, you know what, I'm now on the conscience over country group, as as you defined it? Um, that's not criminal, probably not. I mean, I don't know. It would depend on what it was. I mean, if he's sleeping around on with somebody, is is known now on the campaign trail. What what if it comes out that he's stooping Kellyanne Conway on the campaign I mean, what bus? If, what do you think the people around King David said when some of his things came out? Right. right. I, look. Right. I all I'm saying is and I'm not comparing Trump to King David. I'm saying God uses bad people sometimes for good things. Yeah. And 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 when you have two bad options, okay, and if that's, you are if going that's to the choose argument the you less, make, then, the then, somebody could, then somebody could say the same thing about Hillary. Sometimes God uses bad people to do things. And maybe, I said that I would understand that. Maybe that's an argument I should make about Hillary then. I mean, but but I actually, ridiculous. but you, I've already said I understand the people who are going to make the Hillary argument. I don't right. personally agree with that argument. I don't either. But that is what they're they can make that argument if they want to. And I would not judge them because this is a hard election. Yeah. That is what I said. So, but my point being, you know, all a lot of the things we're talking about with with Trump, not the groping, but you know, the sexual, you know, the the sexual uh, behavior and stuff are things that we've seen people in the Bible exhibit yeah. and right. have have they and, not and had they were favor and with they God were still? they were they were still, but God did not approve it, and He said, "You're of you've screwed, not. You've of screwed yourself not. here. You could have been so much better," and instead, you're stuck here. And maybe Donald Trump needs to learn that lesson. <laughs> Look, I, I, 
again, I'm and again, I'm not comparing him to King. I'm just saying we. I I think people uh, evangelicals on both sides of this have been very annoying. I, I found the whole thing very irritating. The judgments on each other, which you haven't done. You're not going out judging people. I don't right. necessarily disagree with everything you're saying. I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but but I do think that there are just some people who are adamantly opposed. I find you to have better reasons for why you're opposed. I understand the opposition. I do not like Donald Trump. I think that both candidates are vulgar vulgar and vile, and there are some things that he has done that are far worse than the things that, I think Hillary presents herself in a much more presidential way, obviously, than Donald Trump does. Um, but there are some some things going on in the background of both of these candidates that are are sad to me, and, and I worry that the world yeah. is laughing at us. Yeah. You know, I really do. I agree. All right. Do you want to do you want to do you want to address the media thing? Because I know that that was a hot topic for you when it comes to the media treatment of Donald Trump and the timing of these these women who are coming out. The binders, yeah, no, I the binders, should, full, I of, the binders full of women. Trump, I think we should Trump, address this. And I think we should lead, though, with, again, women should not be shamed for coming out with an allegation. You know, if you, I, I just it's it's a hard situation because you have right. one person saying they didn't do something right. and you have multiple people saying something horrible happened to them. And so right. you're trying to balance those two really difficult things. Right. Um, you know, believing both of them. Right. Or trying to give both. I a want fair it. Shot. I, w- I want it. To, I want the things that they're saying to be not true. You know, I, right. But I, I don't know who to believe. I tend to believe them simply simply based on his pattern of behavior and treatment of women and speaking how he has spoken about women before, that he has at least abusive tendencies. And by abusive, I don't mean rape. I don't mean physical, like slapping people around, but groping and grabbing and kissing in ways that he shouldn't. I, that's an issue. And Oh, no, definitely. His history of bravado says to me that he at least think that, thinks that that's okay, even if he hasn't engaged in it. Even if he hasn't engaged in it, there's a part of him that says that that's okay. I w- I just want to say that the problem I think people have with this, and I'm not saying this is my issue, but it does cause questions. I think is you have a debate where he confronts Hillary, and people say he's winning this debate because he's going after, in some ways, the improprietary, the the awful behavior, alleged behavior of of her husband, right, mm-hmm. and her helping cover that up with the women and the treatment of the women and all of that. And then within days, you have a t- you have well the tape came out before the, that, right. but then you have these people coming forward now making these claims, and I think in people's minds they're looking at this, and it's also happening as WikiLeaks is releasing emails. There's a lot of questions on the timing of it, and I think look even if even if it was structured on purpose the timing to try to make yeah. him look bad, and it's all true, um, you know that's I guess that's a little bit different, but. I I'm with you in that it seems strange that all these people would be could be lying about this and we just don't know we don't know the answers yeah. to it you're never going to be able to prove it um, either way and he claims he has proof I don't I, I don't know if it's his claim of the I forget the guy's name Carlos Slim or whatever Carlos if Slim, that's yeah. his claim yeah um, blaming another Mexican was, right. the, was the line the joke <laughs> look at this Trump right. blaming another Mexican for something um, but you know I, I think the election's over she has right. what, the Clintons are very savvy so people you, I mean do you believe that the Clintons have anything to do with this yeah, absolutely. the campaign well, 100% 100% so um, it, and, and it, what's I guess what's strange about all of this to me and I want to talk about the media piece of it but is that we're not talking about the issues anymore we haven't been talking yeah. about the issues yeah. for days well, and the, we're and talking the, about and the WikiLeaks stuff. If, if if it had been anybody else, that's and it's why as WikiLeaks the WikiLeaks email shows, 
the the Democrats wanted to run against Trump. They wanted Trump. That's who they wanted because it was the only person Hillary could beat. And so now they've got Trump. And now these other things in WikiLeaks are coming out about the coordination that they had, how the how they confirmed that the Obama administration pressured the Supreme Court on Obamacare, that they that the campaign was pressuring the Supreme Court to get on Burwell versus King on on the mandate on the on the mandates on the on the subsidies for Obamacare. All of these things that we knew were going true are that we knew about, but we couldn't prove are now uh, there's evidence now in these WikiLeaks documents, except for the WikiLeaks documents are not being talked about. What's being talked about? Donald Trump and his his uh, small hands. That's what's being talked about. Well, the needy Latino one was strange. Jeez, to me. Here you have John she's Podesta allegedly. She's but wait a minute. Get away with it. They're gonna get away he's, with it. He's he's sending an allegedly sending an email to Hillary Clinton. And right. if you're sending an email with that language, the assumption is that the recipient is okay with that language, yep. is okay with that kind of treatment of people. Yep. Yep. Yeah, oh, two needy Latinos for you to call in one easy phone call. I mean, this is. Yep. The, the discussion of Catholics and evangelicals, but it's not surprising. I was a little shocked. I spent a long time on the emails yesterday, a couple of hours looking through them. The Planned Parenthood connections, which we knew were there, but, you know, Hillary should really call and talk to Cecile yep. Richards. You know, we should really have outright her you know, talk with outright coordination. Right. Um, so, look, it it is. I do think, and I, I'm sympathetic to the people who will say, and I just want to reiterate this on both sides, that they believe that one candidate is better than the other for whatever reason they believe it. I am right. sympathetic to that. I'm more sympathetic to that than I am to your perspective, even the Hillary one, yeah. than I am to your perspective. Yeah. But moving on to the media <laughs> element here. Um, the, the media, I feel, and you can tell me what you think, right. they have they have really taken this, and Trump has caused a lot of these problems for himself. Yep. But, I mean, there, there's an overt bias here, no? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've never quite seen anything like it. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. And the, the time, not just the timing of these, these women things, but also how they're just talking about Trump. I mean, they pushed for him to get it. <clears throat> excuse me. They pushed for him to get the nomination when the Republicans were fighting it out in the primaries. They wanted Donald Trump. And they promoted Donald Trump. And they didn't promote him because they liked him. They didn't promote him, even number one reason being ratings, though ratings were a huge thing for them. They promoted him because they knew, just as the Hillary campaign knew, that Trump was the only person she could beat. Of everybody up on the stage, he was the one she could beat in a walk. And that's why they're pushing it. Now you got Brian, Stel your boy Brian Stelter, and I know you've gone off on this <laughs> on social media. <laughs> but... well. Tell, set, set, just set, play set. it. Just play it. Which one? Do you want the arson? Oh, play the unrest. other one. Play the, the, the violence okay, one. Here we go. It's about 45 seconds. Here we go. It is BS. It's, BS. it's dangerous. Um, for a long time, people trailed Donald Trump like he was a joke. Right now, it's a very serious drama. That speech was paranoid, and that speech was dangerous. It was a speech dripping with hatred, a speech dripping with contempt railing against bankers and corporations and the media in this grand conspiracy that somehow he has only been able to connect the dots of. It sounded a lot like a dog whistle to a lot of people that he was somehow connecting all of these dots that, that do in fact not connect. The WikiLeaks documents he was citing do not prove what he thinks they prove. But I don't want to bother fact-checking every statement he said just now. Trump said this is a moment of reckoning for our society. And he's right about that. Mm -hmm. If there is violence and unrest after Election Day, I think we now know why based on the hatred that was dripping out of that man's mouth. Brian Seltzer says that if there's unrest and violence after the election, Donald Trump's the one who's in, who's responsible for it. Not the protesters, not anything else. 
But here's here's what we think about Donald Trump supporters. We believe that Donald Trump supporters. This is this is CNN. This is Brian Stelter. We believe Donald Trump supporters are so unhinged that if he loses, there will be unrest and violence after election day. Yeah, I ridiculous. I I was and like, stupid. is this the Onion? I I couldn't even. I was like, is this, is this real? And, and if, then if there's, I mean, if there's, he, and if it's there's nonstop. unrest and violence, if there's unrest and violence after election day, I mean, Stelter's just he's. I always liked him. Until until this election cycle, I just always enjoyed him on CNN. I thought he's written some interesting stuff about the media, but I, he's just kind of gone. I don't know. He's kind of gone. Well, no, it's I, not I just him, say, though. It's the whole network. I mean, look, yeah. the, the Trump's comment about putting Hillary in jail. You know, I'm going to appoint a special prosecutor and look into you. The immediate reaction, and I understand because you have said this too, he has fascist tendencies. And there are things I've heard him say where I'm like, that is insane, like the shield law and all that. Right. But but I do I did think that the immediate reaction of Dana Bash and others to say that's what you know that's what people do in dictatorships they put their opponents in prison it's like that's, well that's let's just take a couple steps back here this this is a person who did from what we know violate the law who every person in the FBI who was involved allegedly right. in the investigation right. felt charges should have been filed right. not filing charges was wrong so it's not that out of now whether or not he has the authority to do it and all that is a separate issue but he, it's he not that have, out of he can question have it investigated and have her thrown in jail if indeed she has committed crimes but you have to go through the legal process it's interesting that these folks who like to say that's what dictators do is they throw their opponents in jail you know who you know what dictators do that communist dictators do that People who actually you know align with the do they control the media? Socialist and communist dictators, big government strong arm dictators are the <laughs> ones who do that, and they are all to a to a person liberal left wing big government dictators. All of them. I mean, look at Che Guevara. These idiots wore Che Guevara on their shirts. He took pleasure in executing political dissidents and political opponents. And you're going to say no? Political dictators on the left do that. Anyway, I just I, I just think that that's an unfair. I didn't find that fair. There are plenty of other critiques that you've made and that I've even made of Trump yeah. that are more than fair. Yes, that is not that is not fair. Play the other clip. Yeah. Well, and and the and Stelter's clip and what Stelter said wasn't just a dig on Trump. It was a dig on his supporters. That as though they're so unhinged and so out of touch with the reality reality that they there will be violence in the streets if Trump loses and or Hillary wins, whatever the reason for the violence is. But those people will be violent. It's like it's violence. Violent mobs almost never, almost never come from the right. Anyway, here's, here's I just one. I I feel like the media has piled on at this point, and I do think a lot of it needs to be covered. But when you have another candidate that has so many other issues of their own going on at the same time, why is there not an equal amount of coverage? Um, and look, I I do think that conservatives are going on and on and on yeah. about Juanita Broderick and all and all these other women. The media has looked at some of that over the years. It's not new material, so it's not shocking that it's not getting as much it, attention. And they, not only did they look into it years ago, they also buried it years ago. And they don't want to. They don't want right. to rehash it. They don't want to rehash it because they but know. Why that they wouldn't you rehash it though when they're coming out the way they are? That is that is, and it's very obviously political the ways in they're coming out. But why would you not give it equal time? Because they don't want to hurt. Clinton. That's why. I mean, there's there is a media bias, and anybody who doesn't understand that is either lying or stupid. So, can I make a point that's yes. going to get me in trouble though, yes, really you quick? Sure I, may. Absolutely. If it's going to cost I, you your job, I think it might get me. Well, I do find it strange that in an election in, in which a there's a female candidate, and you would assume that you would want all of the rhetoric and problems off of gender. The entire thing is now about attacks and gender and 
women coming forward and I'm not, I don't even, I don't think this will get me in trouble. I just think it's the reality. Um, it's strange to me the focus on women. It's almost like it was handed to the Democrats on a platter because you have a female candidate and you have somebody who's been so terrible with women running against her. It, <laughs> it's the, do you not agree that? I mean, it's yeah, the whole campaign yeah. right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Not that Hillary created that, but she's seizing. I mean, they're yep. seizing on it. And not that they shouldn't. I think right. any smart politician probably would. But it is strange to me. I thought we would not be hearing anything really about these sorts of issues because yep. they'd want to avoid it. Yep. All right. What's this other? Oh, you have, there's another stelter piece we were going to talk about here. Let me find it. Oh, the arsonist one. Okay, here you go. As Mark McKinnon was saying last hour, Donald Trump is acting like an arsonist, uh, trying to burn wow. down uh, various institutions in our country. Uh, we've seen him talk about election rigging. We've seen him talk about uh, the media in disparaging terms and other institutions as well. But but honing in on the media, which is the, the part of my beat that I, I obsess with about every day, of course, uh, he is targeting individual journalists and news outlets like CNN and others. And I got to tell you, Don, the reporters who travel with Trump every day say it's getting more and more volatile uh, at these rallies, that there are more and more hostile uh, fans who are yelling at reporters, more and more uh, situations where it feels slightly unsafe. Uh, not trying to break him with a broad brush here because certainly you there's lots too. of Trump supporters who are actually very friendly to the media. When you interview them, they want to be heard. Uh, but you can sense that the uh, that the uh, the heat, that the fire is sort of rising in these final weeks of the It's campaign. hard to believe sometimes and it's hard to, to take a step back when you've supported someone for so long and believed yeah. it and then you see things coming But that's out. what we it's all need tough. to do yeah. right now, isn't it? We need to understand yeah. the other side or all yeah. sides in this election. We need to try to bring people's anxiety levels down a little bit at this time when it feels so intense. Sounds Good, Brian. We need to bring Easily their. We need to bring their. We need to bring their anxieties down by calling their candidate an arsonist and saying that if he loses, those same people whose needs, whose anxieties need to be brought down, those same people are going to cause violence in the streets. It's this guy, so, it's this guy insane. Is a, this guy is a clown. He's a clown. He, He's saying that, first of all, using words like arson, fire, that's to create an image in people's minds of something. But but I think the bigger, broader piece of this is that he's so concerned. Donald Trump's trying to burn the, me the media. And we can say this. We work in the media. The media have been burning themselves down for years. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, 74% of Americans do not believe that the media attempts to report the news fairly. I'm not making that up. It's a museum institute. I know. Statistic. I know. Uh, like... Come on, people. Right. Everyone hates the media. Ma right. They like maggots better than they like the media. This is not <laughs> Donald Trump didn't create this problem. This problem has been there for decades. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's, Brian Stelter's just a, well, he's just a doofus and he's become it's I don't know. All right. Let's um. did you have anything else you want to add about Brian, your friend Brian? So what was the thing you sent him that he retweeted or laughed at or something? What I sent it? those I sent statistics out and he liked uh, one of them. Okay. And I kept I was like 74 <laughs> percent of the public doesn't trust the media. And I like CC. And I and he likes one of them. It's like, yeah, dumb dumb. This is why I'm sending well, it to you. Like, well, it's another example of the not liking the media is, is the fact checking of 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 uh, NBC's fact check of Donald Trump during the debate. He said she had her servers acid washed, right? And they, they, they put it out there. No, this is false. They used a, a thing called Bleach Bit. It's a program. They didn't actually use a corrosive material. It's like, he was speaking figuratively, you idiots. Uh, it's insane. I, and so, so and that's what they do on, on, the, on the fact check thing. That's what these organizations do, is they'll take outlandish things that he says that are actual lies, and they'll say other things that he's saying that, that, that are hyperbolic, and then he'll say things that he's just speaking figuratively. And they'll fact check all of them, and the tally becomes 
50 falsehoods by Donald Trump and two by Hillary Clinton. Well, half the falsehoods by Donald Trump are just things where he's speaking figuratively and off the cuff, and he's not saying facts, but you're going to fact check somebody saying she acid washed her, her servers. Well, he doesn't actually think that she put them in a vat of acid. He's, was, you can't make this stuff up. You you really can't. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. But I do look. Donald Trump has created a lot of his own problems, oh, and I think the media is just sort of piling on at this point. And sometimes they're doing a good job, and a lot of times they're not. I I don't think that the audio we just heard is helpful to the discussion at all. It's not yeah. analysis. It's it's an opinion. I mean that, which is fine. But but right. don't present your opinion as some sort of news analysis when it's a flat out right opinion about somebody and how you think they're an arsonist who's burning down all the institutions. Exactly. It's not like we all love the media. Right. I mean, enough. Um, anyway, let's I think we should vote for each other. Okay. Uh, hey, I'll vote for Billy, Billy Hallowell any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Of course, if I vote <laughs> twice on Sunday, that means I'm in Chicago and Billy isn't running for anything in Chicago. So let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll, we'll uh, run an interview that you, that you recorded recently. We'll be right back. The church boys. Man, I eat these guys. So we've got an interview for you today, and we're actually switching gears here. We're not going to be talking about Donald Trump, which I'm sure will make you so happy. But um, this is a woman who's remarkable. Her name is Jen Bricker. She was born without any legs, which is insane to think about. Um, but this woman has gone on to be um, in in really, I guess an aerialist, that's the word I'm looking for, an aerialist. She's an become aerialist? an author. She's become a speaker. She has this infectious, you know, just positivity in her life and has done all of these things that Chris and I can't do because we're too busy sitting on the couch without legs. And so she's written this book, Everything is Possible, Finding the Faith and Courage to Follow Your Dreams. Cool. And uh, we talked to her about that book and her life story. All right. Roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys Podcast, and I am very excited to have Jen Bricker on the line, author of Everything is Possible. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I've known about your story for uh, for a long time now, and I just think it's an amazing, unbelievable, inspirational story. And now you have a book out, um, Everything is Possible, where you talk about everything you've gone through, your life story. And I guess, you know, I have a lot of questions for you, but I want to just start with the book um, because I think we, we all have different reasons for why we write books when authors go out there and, and do so. And so um, I'll just throw the question out. Why did you write this book? What were you, what were you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, I've known since I was a kid that I was going to eventually write a book. Um, I just didn't know the timing, right? And so two years ago, it was placed on my heart very strongly that this was the time to write a book. That the need, like everything I do, I know that, you know, I, I don't ever want it to be just for like the motivation driven for myself, my personal gain. I know that the motivation behind this book was to be able to touch the lives of millions and that that was the right time. I came to a place in my life where I could openly talk about struggles that I had went through and just all different life experiences. I was finally at the place where I was like, you know what? I can talk about this. And I knew that it was the time. Well, I love it. No. And I think that's, you know, for people of faith, especially, it's sort of like, it's always a battle of trying to make sure, and it's not a battle for everybody, but trying to make sure that 
you know, when you do something, you're doing it for the right reasons. And I think your your life has shown you do things you know, for the right reasons. And I think a book, a book is something, I think people assume, oh, you do a book because you want the fame and you get so much money. And But that's not always the case. I mean, books are right. Exactly. You know, there, there's this, this like stigma and assumption about, about books and what they are. And, um, and so I love that you, that you have thought through those elements because I, I think that's so important. And for those who don't know, um, Jen's story. I mean, you have gone through a lot of challenges in your life. I think people in life complain about a lot of things, and sometimes you sort of look back at what, what you're complaining about, and you laugh, and you say, "Wow, that was not something to be complaining about." Um, you have gone through huge things. Um, you were born without legs, and if I'm not mistaken, you also had a condition with your heart where it was in it was on the wrong side of your chest. Is that is that accurate? It, it wasn't really a con- – I mean, I don't know what it is, but it was – I was just born that way. So it didn't affect anything else, didn't cause any other problems. But, yeah, I was born with it on the other side of my chest, which is so random. <laughs> that is very random. Um, yes. Now, you, there are also some other things. You, you were put up for adoption, your biological parents, when you were a baby. You were adopted. Um and, and so, and that's, and I think that's an interesting element of your story. I think adoption is obviously a, a beautiful thing, and I want to talk to you about your adopted family as well. Um, but, but talk to me about growing up, um, you know, without without legs. I think that there are so many things that people go through. Just talk to me about the experience of what that was like, and was that difficult? Was it not? Just take me through some of that. Right. Well, you know, everyone's story is different, and, and my story is. You know, I'm very grateful for my story because my family, I was put in the family I was meant to be in, in the community I was meant to be in, in the middle of nowhere, southern Illinois small town that I was supposed to be in because, you know, thankfully my story does not involve bullying. I, you know, small school, people know me from kindergarten, they graduate with me in high school, you know, so past day one of kindergarten and they know I don't have legs and I was born that way okay, good, no one cares, let's move on, we're all going to go play on the monkey bars. You know, it just, that's how it was. And I was always very outgoing, very fiery, very kind of bold, and that was just who I am, who I was, and still am, you know. And um, so growing up, I obviously realized I didn't have legs, but not really. I mean, I was so mainstreamed every part of my life, and my parents were just, you're awesome, you're strong, you have a level head on your shoulders, you're beautiful, you're an answered prayer, we want you, um, you're totally strong, like you can do whatever you want to do. It just did not, I did not realize what I know now then. I didn't understand the significance of, you know, doing all these sports, basketball, softball, volleyball, power tumbling, roller skating, all of these things with able-bodied athletes, with no prosthetics, no wheelchair, and then actually excelling in these sports being the first person like myself to do that as a power tumbler or to do that in certain areas just didn't get the, the significance of it. it. It must be interesting looking back, you know, because when you're a kid, you're kind of blind to a lot of those things, right? And it's amazing that you didn't have some of those experiences and that you had that supportive environment. But you kind of look back now and you see, I mean, the world has changed a lot in the last, not that bullying is worse, but I think the world's more complicated in some ways. Um it must be interesting to look back at your life and look where you are now. I mean, you've done so many amazing things, um, and and I I think it's it's 
you're a huge inspiration. Is it ever weird to you looking back and sort of looking at where you are now when people come up to you and say you're an inspiration? I mean, what what is that like to hear from people? <laughs> it used to be really annoying as a kid. I because you know because I didn't get it, and now I see it as well. It's a gift, you know. It's a gift to be able to be an inspiration, but I still don't see myself as that person. Like I get it, but I'm so like I'm just Jen. And so whether someone comes at me like, oh, my gosh, you're a superhero, you're amazing, I can't believe I'm meeting you, and I'm still like, that's so weird, that's so funny, you know, I'm just Jen. Or they're like, oh, you're such an inspiration, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm I'm so normal. Like, you know, my room is a mess right now. Like, <laughs> just, you know, like, I just, it always cracks me up, uh, but it's very humbling, you know. It's, it's very humbling when people you know, they'll ask me for life advice or parenting advice. And I'm not even a parent yet. And I'm 28 years old. And, you know, but how humbling and how amazing I look back. I do trip out on how my life was designed. I'm not going to lie. How my life was designed, how I was created, all of these things that were specifically on purpose and had to be that way. You know, I had to have that childhood of no bullying in that small town so that I could be who I'm meant to be today and have a book and be an acrobat and be an aerialist and travel the world and have many books and, you know, get into to these areas that need change and healing and inspiration in the beauty industries and in the fitness world and, you know, all these places where there's so much opportunity for massive groundbreaking things to happen. And, and you know, I had to have that childhood so that I could be who I am. Uh, well, right. I mean, look at and look at what you've done. Being a successful, you know, aerial artist, acrobat, some of the things you've mentioned, playing all the sports that you had played, you you sort of shatter the image of what people expect. I think there are these unfair ideas that people have about things. Oh, well, she was born without legs, so she can't do this, this, and that. Meanwhile, you, I mean, I'm sitting down ninety percent of the day writing, and I'm not nowhere near as active as you are. And you've done things that that anybody with legs, most people with legs, can't do. And I think there's something amazing about that and that ability to show people that those assumptions are not true about people. So it must be, it must feel kind of cool to have the power to do that. Oh, it's, I'm just grateful that I've always had that mindset. I'm grateful that this was the life given to me and because it's just the way I see life, you know, it's not like I made some stand to be some awesome person and, oh, I'm going to defy everybody. It's just how I was and how I was made to be. And so it's really incredible to witness and to see that um, the change happening, you know, to see, but really just to, through love and through sharing stories and through authenticity and vulnerability, which those things were challenging. You know, I had to challenge myself to be more uh, vulnerable, to share more, you know, of the, of the weaker parts of myself and things like that, because that's that's when people can relate or maybe um, just feel like they're not alone and that kind of thing. So I just always try to be myself and just to be authentic, whether I'm speaking or performing or traveling or, you know, my book is very authentic. I wanted it to be um, even the the parts that weren't amazing about myself, I, I put in there. And um, because I think there's a power in just being who you are and loving and celebrating who you are. And that inspires other people then to, um, to, to love themselves and to be authentic. I love that. Now, 
what we all have our biggest challenges in life. What has been your biggest challenge in life, generally speaking? Um, general, I mean, there was a time where I really had to overcome like wanting to be crazy skinny and then getting crazy skinny and then, you know, kind of that journey out of it, which I talked in the book. Um, I would say one that's more of like a constant because I travel so much would be <laughs> checking my own attitude with people who are trying to help, but in the midst of trying to help, coming off condescending and just totally annoying me, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I yeah, can see that, yeah, though. So, I get that. I get that. Yeah, you know, like, I'm on a plane, and I'm just going to walk, use my hands, get to the seat. I debrief them. I tell them how it's going to go. No worries. No questions. It's all good. And then after I do all of that, so, but are you really going to be able to do that on your own? No, no, I just told you all of that for nothing. I actually don't know myself. You know me better than me. That's what I want to say. But <laughs> I I have to realize that, you know, they're trying to help, right? It's coming from a good place. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And if I were to react with an attitude, then, you know, it's pretty much putting myself. It's I'm now living up to my own stereotype, which is annoying. And nobody wants that. Right. So I have to see that those are... Um, those are teaching and education moments. Like that's really what they are. Those are the moments, but it's, you know, it's a challenge to me. Absolutely. And I guess one of the other big questions I I have for you is obviously, I mean, you've spoken about your family, your adoptive family and, and how much they, you know, supported you and, and loved you. Uh, at what point did you become interested? Because it sounds like you always knew, you know, from an early age that you had been adopted, interested in your biological family, and what sort of sparked you um, trying to find them? I, the interesting thing is I never had a big interest in meeting them because, you know, they were so, my parents were so open about it, so I just was like, oh, okay, I kind of know everything about it. I don't really need to meet them or whatever. And then right before I turned 16, my best friend was adopted. She found out what her biological last name was. And something just, the thought got placed in my brain. Totally, it was meant to be. Because I thought, oh, I wonder if there's anything my mom knows about, my mom, my mom and dad know about my biological family that I don't know about. And that's just insane. Because I just said how open and honest, right, my parents were. So why on earth would I think for a minute that there was something they knew about my biological family that I didn't know? It just doesn't even make sense, but it was meant to be. So then when I asked them, my mom told me that my biological last name would have been Mochianu. And when she said that last name, it was a direct, I knew exactly what she meant. I knew that the gymnast I had watched as a kid, Dominique Mochianu, that's the same last name. That's who she was saying. That was my biological last name. So basically she was saying that gymnast that I watched as the kid was my biological sister. Um, and was that, what was that like for you? Because obviously you watched, you watched Dominique, you saw her success. Um, and I think she was an inspiration to you in many, many ways. And then you find this out. What's the first thought that goes through your head? My first thought is that I want to meet her, you know? I mean, that was my first, uh, I mean, I guess I was like, holy crap, this is crazy. Oh my gosh, this is just wow, you know, but then on some levels, I think way deep down, way, way, way deep down, I was like, well, you know, I did notice as a kid, we looked alike. I knew we were both Romanian 
And I had been drawn to her for those reasons. And so I thought, man, that, I guess it, it makes sense, but it's wild, right? And so I wanted to, and then I went on her website and I saw that I have a younger sister, Christina, and we look really alike. I mean, we look so, so, so much alike. And, um, and we're close in age. We're very close in age. We're like one year and 10 months apart. So then I was like, oh my gosh, I have two sisters. And I wanted them to know that I existed. So um, that just started a, a four-year journey. Two failed attempts, and my third and final attempt was successful in contacting them. And then we all three met in May of 2008 for the first time. And you've, re- you've maintained a relationship with them since? We have, yes. I mean, we're all three. We're all three in different states. They're both married and have kids, and I travel the world like a crazy person. So we're all, you know, we all have our own lives that are busy, but we try to stay in touch as much as we can. That's amazing. That really is. Um, was it was it difficult? Um, because obviously, you know, their parents' decision was that difficult for them. Your parents' decision was that tough for them. Learning about it, did they have any idea beforehand? How? Did, and I don't know how much of that you want to share, but how? What was the process like navigating through some of that those sensitive issues? Well, I mean, yeah, I think at first, obviously, they were not happy with their parents, and they then eventually forgave them. And and well, my biological mother, because my biological father had passed, but. Um, so, you know, they eventually forgave them and stuff and, and came to to that reconciliation. But, um, and, but, you know, and as much as we all would have loved to have been raised together, that was an abusive household. So, it, you know, we all know and agree that I, I was much better off not being in the family and I needed to be raised somewhere else. Well, you know, just on a final word here, because it's been so great, and I would love to have you back, you know, anytime. Um, if if somebody reading your book, Everything is Possible, could walk away with one thing, and let's say this person is somebody who's struggling with something, maybe, because I do think there are a lot of things we let get us down and out, and um, so somebody's reading this book, they're seeing your story, what is your hope for them? I want them to, to realize, I want everyone to realize that we all have gifts and talents that are unique to us and they're made for us specifically. And the things that we love, that we're passionate about, that we're naturally good at, those things we can use to change someone's life. And that is so powerful. And the thing is, every single person and what they bring to the table is equal in significance. And that is huge. I or people that we look up to or that we put up on a pedestal that we think, man, their life and their talent and what they bring to the table has so much significance. I could never be like them. That's only for certain people in the world. And I just want to say absolutely not. That is equal opportunity for every single person. It's going to look different, of course. Their life is going to look different. It's supposed to be different. Because people that you can touch may be people that I can't touch and vice versa. So I want people to be empowered by that and to stand up on that and take responsibility for that to realize, hey, I have these these gifts and talents. There's power with it. And then there's responsibility with it to go and do something with it, to go and change someone's life, to be aware of that. And that can change the world. I love it. Okay, so last question. I That was going to be my last one, but I, I have one more um, question, you know, for you. And I, I think that is... 
just in, in light of, of your faith, what role does your faith play in that perspective? Because I think a lot of us have faith, but sometimes it's not as active, maybe. And it sounds like your faith is very active. So just take me through that and, and our final, you know, as my final question, because I'm just curious to know. I mean, my faith has been a journey. I, I was raised in a Christian home and always believed in God and knew that, you know, his, he, made, he made me without legs for a reason and for purposes. So that, that really just, I just got that as a kid. I'm really happy that I understood that, you know, knowing that having, not having legs was totally on purpose and for reasons that were way bigger than myself. Just like the book, just like anything else that I do, it's, it's not just about me, it's way beyond me. And so then as I've gotten older, you know, my faith has just grown and grown and grown. I think the, you know, just getting older and then the more struggle, whether it's just, you know, struggling in LA, struggling in my career, struggling in, uh, you know, relationships we have, um, romantic or friendship, all of those, they just make you, they can make you stronger and stronger and stronger. And so made me rely on my faith and my, and God more and more and more. And so then helping me understand myself more too. So I've really come to such an amazing place. I have an amazing church and I have an amazing prayer group that I go to. Just really beautiful people who really care about me, love me, and um, support me. Well, I love it. And I appreciate you taking the time. I hope you'll come back again on the podcast. Yes, definitely. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my All right, I know we've been super Trump-heavy this this episode, and that's fine because people are talking about it, and it's getting close to election time, so it's, it's not a regret thing. So I, let me, let's close with a final Trump discussion, and not really a Trump discussion. If you were Kellyanne Conway, Trump's campaign manager, not Steve Bannon, because Steve Bannon's probably just smoking a stogie somewhere and reveling in the glorious fireball that is Donald Trump. <clears throat> if you were Kellyanne Conway, what would you what would you do? What would you advise him to do? And what would you do with yourself or your career? What would I mean? What would be your goal? What would you be doing right now? Like to cope with this? Yeah, or, or to, I mean, it's, it's drinking heavily, I suppose. But wasn't she wasn't she Kirk's campaign manager too, Ron Kirk? Whatever who, was it, Ron Kirk? Who was it? The guy that screwed up when he talked about abortions and some other thing. Wasn't that the guy? I think it doesn't matter. Oh, um, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I can't remember his name. I feel bad for her because she's got a train wreck on her hands. I've always kind of liked her. Like she's been in Virginia. I've met her a few times. And I've always liked her. I always thought she's kind of a classy dame, you know. And chicks love it when you call them dame. By the way. So uh, I just feel bad for her. Like what, she's in a, it's it's really you, a lose lose situation. What do you do in this situation? Are you just sit around moping about the fact that he you're the one female he hasn't hit on? I mean, what, what do you do? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she's just you oh. gotta be you gotta be miserable. You gotta be asking what is going on in my life now. Well, you know what what kind of track has my life taken? If this is where you are. You know, if this is where your career has led you, is that you are the number one surrogate for Donald freaking Trump? What a nightmare! It is. What a Man, nightmare! A, a month ago, he was ahead. I mean, I this is it's so crazy. And I know. 
I think it is it is interesting to me what changes people's views because I have not been supporting either candidate. You know, I right. I sound it's like you're in a position with the media bias where you feel like you are forced. You sound like a Trump supporter because you're trying to deal cope with the reality of what's right. going on right. on the ground. <laughs> but you know, and to clarify your point, if he has violated the law, then he can't be president. He shouldn't be president, obviously. But the problem is that then nobody's president again. But yeah, I think if he's violated these sorts of laws and violated people, if that if this is true, then then yeah, there's an issue. Yep. It's an issue. So, you know, it's a sad it's a sad time in America. It is. It's it's very sad. It's very sad, Billy. It's just so sad. It makes makes me sad. Sad, sad with an exclamation point, sad. But I mean, seriously, it's, it's got to be. I mean, if you're Kellyanne Conway, you just got to be saying, "My life is on the rails." I mean, you know who's happy? The Gloria Allred, because I hear she has a client. Expect Kellyanne Conway to show up in a rehab clinic somewhere. Sometimes celebrity rehab. The Church Boys.